two foundations of Pentecost dedicated to the repairing, restoring, preserving, and perpetrating the foundations of Pentecost. It is our prayer that as you listen, you will be encouraged and strengthened in your faith. And now, today's study from the Scripture. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, thank you for the privilege we have to come into your presence. God, I pray that you would be with us this morning as we look into your word. Let us hear what the Spirit would say to the church this morning. Open our hearts and minds, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We have... Pardon me. We have been studying the person and the work of the Holy Spirit over the last several weeks. And uh, so this morning we are going to be looking at John chapter 7 or starting with John chapter 7. The title of our lesson is Baptism for Today. The Bible says in John chapter 7, beginning at verse 37, The last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly, shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spake of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. We talked about, we began talking about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We uh, talked about the fact that the baptism of the Holy Ghost is evidenced, or the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Ghost is speaking in other tongues. And we've talked about the fact that uh, uh, Jesus promised the baptism of the Holy Ghost and, and some of these things. But there are a lot of people that teach that the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the initial physical evidence of speaking in other tongues was a gift that was given to the early church and that it is no longer needed in the church today. And So uh, this morning I want us to look at and understand that the baptism in the Holy Ghost is for today believers today. It is important as Pentecostals that believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost that we know why we believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost and that we understand our belief in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says to be ready to give to every man a reason for the hope that lies within us. And so we need to be ready to answer questions. 
A lot of times we have talked about, and rightly so, the need for us to be able to tell people what we believe when we're asked. We, we point out a lot of times that there are some people you ask, what do you believe? What does your church believe? And they'll say, well, we don't believe in doing this, and we don't believe in doing that, and we don't believe in this. Well, uh, we need to know more than just what we don't believe. We need to know what we do believe. But not only do we need to know what we do believe, but we need to know why we believe it and what the purpose. It's good for us to be able to say, well, how does your church differ from other churches? How does Pentecostal differ? And one of, one of the differences and one of the distinguishes factors is, well, we believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the initial physical evidence of speaking in other tongues. Well, that's good to be able to say that, but then what if they say, well, what is the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Well, why do you believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Why do you believe in speaking in other tongues? Well, you know, I, I, our pastor teaches that, that the baptism in the Holy Ghost was for the early church and in the days of the apostles, but, but it's no longer necessary for today. We need to be ready to answer those questions not only to answer them for ourselves, not only to answer them when, when we've been asked, but as I've repeated a number of times in this series, it is important for us to teach these things to those that are coming on behind us. Not everybody is going to go to Bible school to learn some of these things. There are some of these things, matter of fact, they shouldn't have to go to Bible school. That is the purpose of the local church, is to teach these things. And so we are revisiting uh, some of these things that sometimes we know so that we can better be equipped to instruct others. And so there are a number of things and, and three specific areas that I want us to look at about the baptism in the Holy Ghost being for the church today. First of all, and, and foremost, most important, is that it is scriptural. The Bible teaches that the baptism in the Holy Ghost is for today. Everything that we believe needs to come from the Word of God. And so we believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost for today because it is taught in the Word of God. And uh, 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 we do not want to, uh, we do not, we do not go to the Word of God saying we believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost and try to prove what we believe. Because sometimes we twist Scripture when we do that. Rather, we read the Word of God, and as we read the Word of God, the Word of God makes it clear to us that the baptism of the Holy Ghost is for today. And that's the way we need to approach any doctrine that we are uh, learning about from the Bible. We don't just go through and flip through and find... Uh, proof text I've, I've shared before I remember an assignment we had in uh, Bible school we had to uh, keep a diary of everything we did for two or three days I don't remember exactly how long it was and we had to give a scripture reference for everything that we did 
And so, you know, it was mealtime. And so, so we uh, quoted the scripture that, that says he makes uh, the, the beloved fat or, or whatever, however it's worded there. The Bible talks about uh, making, making them fat and being blessed and, and that kind of thing. And then, you know, uh, uh, whenever we decided to take it easy and rest, there's, there's there, you know, uh, Jesus told his disciples to come apart and rest a while. You know, never did you never did you include in those kind of th- times. You know, uh, the scripture about the sluggard or the sloth or or that kind of thing. You found the ones that that talk about him giving rest. Come unto me, all you are, that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know, things like that. But the fact of the matter is, and 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 what I realized through the assignment was, you could go through. And you could find a scripture to match whatever you wanted to make it match. You can twist scripture to say what you... And that's not what we need to do. We need to read scripture to understand what scripture says and then formulate our doctrines based upon it. Not only is there the uh, scripture that teaches the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but throughout time, throughout history, we find that it has confirmed over and over and over in the lives of, of the saints, the lives of Christian individuals, that the baptism of the Holy Ghost continues through today. And then the last thing that we want to consider is the baptism of the Holy Ghost can be experienced for yourself. And the experience that you can have in the baptism of the Holy Ghost is a, a evidence and a proof. Uh, and uh, sometimes, you know, we may say we believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And we may tell others that our church teaches in the baptism of the Holy Ghost and we believe in it, but if we've never experienced it, it's questionable how much we really believe in it. So we need to experience it for ourselves. Dr. R.A. Torrey wrote, Nevertheless, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the birthright of every believer. It was purchased for us by the atoning death of Christ. And when He ascended to the right hand of the Father, He received the promise of the Father and shed Him forth upon the church. And if anyone today has not the baptism with the Holy Spirit as a personal experience, it is because he has not claimed his birthright. First of all, I want us to look at this morning the testimony of the text. The testimony of the Word of God regarding the baptism of the Holy Ghost. When we look at the uh, scripture and we look at the Bible and uh, uh, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, we pointed out in an earlier lesson and, and, and talked about the fact that the Holy Ghost is in the Old Testament. Not, it's not just a New Testament concept, but we read over and over and over about the Holy Ghost in the Old Testament. And we read about people that were filled with the Spirit at times in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, we read about 
men such as Joseph, Moses, Bezalel, Joshua, the 70 elders, Othniel, Gideon, Jephthah, Saul, David, Nathan, Gad, Samson, Amasai, Azariah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Joel, Hosea, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Haggai, Zephaniah, Zechariah, uh, Malachi, John the Baptist, uh, and, and I realize this is beginning in the New Testament, but John the Baptist, Zechariah, and Elizabeth, all were before the uh, uh, outpouring of the Holy Ghost as, as we consider it. But they, the Bible tells us that they were filled with the Spirit. So the Old Testament saints were filled with the Spirit, thus making the the filling and, and, and the Holy Spirit coming on an individual, something that preceded New Testament times. The reason I say this is because they say, well, it was only in the apostolic area, some people try to claim. And yet, if people in the Old Testament, before the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, uh, as we know it, were filled with the Holy Ghost, why cannot we expect to be filled with the Holy Ghost? Not to mention the fact that the Bible says very plainly to be filled with the Spirit. And so, uh, uh, even though they lived in a dis different dispensation, even though some of those were, were as much as 1600 years before the day of Pentecost, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And so if in a different dispensation they were filled with the Holy Ghost, we can expect in the church age, in the same age, in the same time period uh, that uh, the early church was, that we too can be filled with the Spirit. Not only were there saints that were filled with the Spirit, but there were prophecies in the Old Testament which let us know that we could be filled with the Spirit. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Joel all predicted an outpouring of the Holy Ghost that was to come. And they did not set limitations on that. We've read it a number of times in this series, but Joel chapter 2 beginning at verse 28 says, and, he, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaidens in those days will I pour out my Spirit, and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon into blood before that great and terrible day of the Lord come. Notice that Joel says it will come to pass in the last days that I will pour out my Spirit. And while we, we realize that the church and, and uh, uh, the early days of the church began what is the last days, we are living even closer to the time of the return of Christ. As a matter of fact, he says, before the great and, and terrible day of the Lord come, and there he is making a, um, uh, a reference to the time of tribulation. And he is saying at the time of tribulation, before, right prior to the tribulation, 
the Holy Ghost will be poured out on people. And so the Holy Ghost is for today as it was predicted. We are now living at the end of the church age. And so the outpouring of the Spirit as prophesied by Joel should be evidenced in the church today. Not only do we find this by the Old Testament, but just simply from the words of Jesus, we should realize that the baptism in the Holy Ghost is for believers today. When Jesus spoke of the coming of the Spirit and the accompanying gifts of prophecy, He did not limit them to His immediate successors. Jesus said, greater things than these shall ye do after that He has gone away. And Jesus implied that the Holy Ghost would, would come upon us. And so from the words of Christ, not only from the words of Christ, but we find that the apostles, as they taught, not only through their words, but also through their actions, we are told within the epistles that we are to be filled with the Spirit. But we noted, uh, I believe it was last week we noted, that... Uh, Paul was careful, and, and even Peter and John, they were careful to their new converts as they came to Jesus Christ to encourage them to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. If it was only for the apostolic era, era rather, why was uh, the apostles so concerned that those who got saved received the baptism? We talked about... Uh, the fact that Paul went to the Ephesians and said, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? He thought it was very important to go on to an experience with the baptism of the Holy Ghost after having received Jesus Christ as Savior. Why was that necessary if it was only for the apostolic age? They knew that it was important that they be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Peter and John went to Samaria after Philip had preached Jesus Christ to them and they had believed on Jesus Christ and yet the elders at Jerusalem felt it necessary to go to Samaria and preach and to lay hands on them that they receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Peter writing says that there are some things that Paul writes that are hard to understand. And he said, there are unlearned who rest or twist the Scripture as they do other Scriptures to their own destruction. And sometimes people who have not received the baptism in the Holy Ghost, or those that will teach that it is not for today, will twist Scripture. One of the Scriptures that they often like to use is found in the love chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning at verse 8, the Bible says, Charity never faileth. But where there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, 
it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is, in, which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know, even as also I am known. Now abideth faith, hope, charity. These three, but the greatest of these is charity. And there have been some that look at verse 8 and they say, well, the time of the baptism of the Spirit, the time of speaking in other tongues and, and of the gifts of the Spirit has, has uh, passed away because the Bible says, uh, whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Where there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Well, in some cases, I think maybe the knowledge has vanished away, but uh, I'm sorry, not, not the gift of knowledge. It says, we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, that which is in part will be done away. And they say, well, it's been... But look at what it says. It says, when that which is perfect is come. Now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. When Jesus returns and we are caught up to meet Him in the air and we see Him face to face, that is when that which is perfect is come. And not until then will the gifts of Spirit be done away with. We know in part, we prophesy in part, because that which is perfect has not yet come. And so, He hasn't done away with the gifts of Spirit. He has not done away with speaking in other tongues or prophecy, because we have not seen Him face to face yet. Not only do we have the testimony of Scripture to indicate to us and let us know the importance of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But we have the, the history of the church to tell us. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so for us to try to claim that God gave something to the early church that He does not intend for us to have is to say that God has changed. There is no scripture intimation of a change in God's plan during the church age or before He comes to take His bride home. Why should we merely assume that there has been a change in God's plan? Why not rather believe that His promises are yea and amen and available for us today? as well as for those who live close to the time when they were uttered. God does not change. Sometimes when we try to say 
that the things of God that he gave to the early church are not for today. It's because we have an inconsistency in our interpretation of Scripture. One wrote, we must withhold our consent from inconsistent exegesis or, or our interpretation of Scripture or a way of, of, of uh, interpreting Scripture, which would make the water baptism of apostolic times still rigidly binding, but would relegate the baptism in the Holy Spirit to a bygone dispensation. If we believe other things in the Word of God are given for the church today, then why do we not believe that the baptism in the Holy Ghost is given for the church today? Throughout history, and a lot of times we talk about, and I'll mention it here in just a minute, but the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in the early 1900s. But the Holy Ghost, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, was a gift to the church throughout church history. And it did not go away between the time of the New Testament church and the time of the 1900s. It may have been lost to a degree. But there were people who had real relations with God throughout all of history. And if you go back and read some church, some, some uh, books that talk about church history and not church history as a whole, but I remember reading one book that, that my dad had get, gave me on uh, uh, deeper experiences of Christians throughout history. There are times they talk about groaning in the Spirit and, and unutterable gushings of the soul. I think that was Spurgeon that talked about that. But they talk about things and as you read them, sometimes they are describing speaking in other tongues, but they don't necessarily use the terminology speaking in other tongues. But as you read what they are writing, you understand that there was an experience with God that took place. And though it was not, it did not make the main history church books, God has always had a remnant of His people. However, the church had grown cold. And the majority of the church did not. Matter of fact, it got to a point in our history, when you look at church history, the main part of the church, and, the, and when you study church history, unless you really dig into some of the lives of specific individuals here and there, for a large part, it's doubtful that most of the church was even a Christian at times. But there came the first great awakening, the second great awakening. And people were stirred and began to grow closer to God. Then, at a Bible college, 
in Topeka, Kansas. The students were given an assignment and said, over the Christmas break, I want you to study the Scripture and see, is the baptism in the Holy Ghost for today? They begin to study the Bible. And one night at their Bible study, a girl by the name of Agnes said, I believe from the Scripture and from studying the Scripture that if you will lay hands on me and pray for me, God will baptize me with the Holy Ghost. They laid hands on that young girl and she began to speak with other tongues as God gave the utterance. And revival began to break forth. And it moved from there to a little mission on Azusa Street in Los Angeles, California. And people desiring a closer walk with God began to pray. And the Holy Ghost began to pour, be poured out as they prayed round the clock in that little mission that grew and expanded, and they began to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Let me just, let me just go on a side note here. Because it is important that we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. But sometimes, as Pentecostals, we thought that's all we need. Understand, the people that were receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost during the time of the Azusa Street Mission, during the time of the outpouring at Topeka, Kansas, and not only in these places, but if you study church history around the world, you'll find out that it's simultaneously and not necessarily because of people who had visited Azusa Street or who had been to Topeka, Kansas, but simultaneously in other countries around the globe, the Holy Ghost began to be poured out. One time we were, uh, I was teaching on church history uh, back in the uh, uh, young adult Sunday school class and, and Mark Brand was here for uh, that particular service and at that time they had been missionaries to France and so he came back and he began to talk about some of the church history in France and the Holy Ghost was poured out in France in a similar manner at the same time that it began to be poured out on Azusa Street with no connection to Azusa Street because the Holy Ghost began to fall around the world but sometimes we have made the mistake of thinking, oh, all we need is the Spirit of God. If the Holy Ghost will come and we get baptized with the Holy Ghost and the Spirit of God will lead us and we'll, we'll just follow. Hey, it was not unlearned people. The people that were receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost 
were people who had studied the Word of God, who knew the Word of God, who had given their hearts and lives to Jesus Christ, and they sought a deeper experience in the Lord. And as they sought to grow closer to the Lord, God baptized them with the Holy Ghost. It's not just an experience to where we forget about learning the Word of God. But it goes hand in hand with knowing the Word of God and learning the Word of God. So the, the baptism in the Holy Ghost begin to be poured out around the world once again. And it began what is the modern day Pentecostal movement. And as that began to happen, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, it was something like January 1st, 1900 at Topeka, Kansas. It was beginning. So right in the middle of the fires of the early days of Pentecost, a young man named Ralph Cook received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and then was moved by the Holy Ghost to found Bethel Chapel in 1918 right in the middle of the fires of Pentecost. It's one thing to say we need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It is one thing to say that the Bible teaches the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It is one thing to say that church history says we need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But the psalmist wrote and said, Oh, taste and see! That the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. We must experience the baptism of the Holy Ghost for ourselves. We must experience it. I told you earlier, it's one thing for us to get up and say, I believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But without an experience in the, bapti in the baptism of the Holy Ghost... How can we really say we believe in it if we have never experienced it? If we have never followed God in obedience? I remember as a, a child singing in song service one night. And I realized... I did not understand all the theological ramifications and all that was being said, but we were singing, I'm rejoicing night and day as I walk this narrow way for the hand of God in all my life I see. The reason of the blessed, yes, the secret all is this, that the Comforter abides with me. He abides. He abides. Hallelujah, He abides with me. I'm rejoicing night and day as I walk the narrow way. For the Comforter abides with me. And as we were singing that, all of a sudden I realized, I don't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. 
I can't really sing that like I should because I don't have... And then we sang it a few nights later and it's like, I'm not sure I can sing this. We were in revival at that time. My dad was pastoring in Jonesboro. Brother Jim Suits was preaching. During the altar service, behind the organ, on the platform, I lay flat on my back and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. That was well and good, but I was 12 years old. I got to Bible school. There came a time that the devil just kind of climbed up on my shoulder and said, you know, maybe that was just a moment of ecstasy. Maybe the times that you've spoken in tongues, maybe that was just because you got all worked up, and that was self. Wasn't really God, but you just got all worked up, and you 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 prayed until till you know you started mouthing unintelligible stuff. But and I got down. My roommate was gone one day and I got down between the bunks on the floor. And I said, God, I want a fresh experience in the Holy Ghost. One that cannot be doubted. And I don't know how long it was. I don't think it was very long. But I began to speak in other tongues in a way that I never had before. As God gave me a fresh experience and a new language from what I had had before. Something that I knew was real. But you know what? It's been a long time since I graduated from Bible school. I was teasing Brother Taylor one time. I saw him and I said, I don't appreciate the hate mail coming from the school. He looked at me and said, what do you mean? I said, well, I got a letter congratulating me on 30 years since my graduation. I said, unfortunately, that's been several years ago now. And you know what? Just because I got a fresh experience over 30 years ago, it's not enough. I have to have a current experience in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's why in the early days of the church they taught, and when I say the early days of the church, I'm talking about the founding of Bethel Chapel. One of the things that was taught repeatedly by Brother Cook was pray through every day 
until you speak in other tongues. It is important that we have a current experience in the Holy Ghost. Not something that happened 20 years ago. Not something that happened 30 years ago. But something that happened today. Why? Because the Bible says... You'll receive power to be my witnesses. And there's a lost and dying world going to hell. And God is not willing that any of those people perish, but that all come to repentance. And they need Jesus Christ. And I may cross their path. Somebody may walk up to me and ask me, and if I'm not full of the Spirit, we need to be in so full of the Spirit and in such a frame of mind that in a moment's notice, we are ready to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. We need to be ready that in a moment's notice, we can begin to intercede on behalf of a need. Listen, sometimes we get phone calls that says, Hey, will you pray with me? Then's not the time for us to have to start seeking the Holy Ghost all over again because we've lost our experience. We need to immediately be able to begin to pray in the Spirit. And when I say pray in the Spirit, I do not necessarily mean praying in other tongues, though it may mean. But we can pray in the Spirit at times even when we're praying in English. But we need to be filled with the Holy Ghost in the day that we live. Father, thank You for Your Word. God, I pray that our hearts would be challenged to be filled with Your Spirit that we might take the Gospel to a lost, dying world. In Jesus' name we pray. This has been Foundations of Pentecost. We trust that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like to know more, please visit us at foundationsofpentecost.com.